www.ashbusiness.com. Business inspiration for architects, engineers, and contractors. Hello, I'm Philip Wiley, and my guest today is construction business consultant Melanie Hodgson, who is the president of Business Systems Management Incorporated. Melanie, please tell, tell us a bit about your career path, which led you to specialize in construction business management. Well, Philip, it was not a straight pathway at all. My father was a talented amateur cabinet maker, and I grew up in a house where I didn't play with dolls. I played with tools and built my own toys. So I have a, a very early background in hands-on construction, even at a small level. We bought a house in 1980 in a great location, but we hated the house itself, and we've, we've been remodeling that for 33 years. And you know what? We're almost done. Okay. We've done. <laughs> we did 95% uh, of the work ourselves, everything but the plumbing. And in, in working through that process, I certainly learned hands-on um, some of the challenges faced by contractors when producing a job. I also had to negotiate with a number of subcontractors. And since I was working alongside them, they often shared some of their frustrations and miseries. <laughs> and uh, that uh, that kind of that made thinking about uh, more of the business side of doing things as opposed to just being a homeowner doing their own construction. I volunteered on a low-cost housing committee locally, and that led me to start to attend some of the construction shows and read the construction trade journals, which in turn led me to begin writing and speaking for these organizations, which in turn broadened my consulting base to include uh, international clients. And from then on, it's really been a process of learning, teaching, listening, and working with other professionals in the business to uh, fine tune my own skills that I can bring more to the table for contractors. Excellent. And, and can you tell us about the, the main issues faced by SME construction companies? that you can help with? Well, believe it or not, uh, and I'm often asked this question, you know, what are the biggest problems faced by contractors? And I would say that the biggest challenge is actually something that's a little hard to define. And it's based on the fact that many, many contractor owners, construction company owners, came from the field themselves. And they may have come to owning a business because they thought they could do it better or they noticed all the mistakes that we, their, the former um, boss was making or they just decided that they could uh, do better working on their own. But they often retain that mindset of being a production person. And as long as they are focused on the production of the work rather than the creation of a self-sustaining company, that is going to hold them back. So I would say the biggest stumbling block is actually a mindset where they're thinking of themselves as contractors or nail bangers. And that's not a, an insulting term whatsoever, but a production worker rather than a business person who happens to be delivering the service of construction or a related trade. And that's that's the number one. Hmm. 
uh, when they focus on the production side of things, which is where a lot of, of these folks feel most comfortable and confident, they often take on more and more and more roles. They start out just with a truck and, and doing one project, and then they start spending their evenings estimating, and then they get their, their spouse in to do the books. And it grows and grows and grows, but they still wind up doing a lot of the things themselves. And this leads them also to becoming sort of micromanagers, and then they become the kink in the hose so that nothing can be done without them making decisions about it. So it's that mindset of being a contractor rather than a business person. The second biggest issue, so that's sort of the mental, the mindset that holds people. The second biggest issue is a failure to understand the true costs of producing work. So if they don't understand what it really costs, and I don't mean this to be an insulting statement whatsoever. There are certain costs that are very easy to identify. If you do have a project with plans and you do a takeoff and you send it to your lumberyard or supplier, for a price, then that is going to tell you approximately how much you can expect for materials. The same thing with subcontractors. If you're going to have an, an electrical subcontractor come in and do the work and you get a, a price from them, then that's pretty much a known entity. The biggest thing, the hardest thing to estimate, the hardest thing to understand the cost of is labor. And this is where a lot of companies get held back. So they're not really getting the true cost of what it costs to produce the work. This leads them to underestimating their costs, which leads them to underpricing the jobs. Mm. And because of the third thing, which is not understanding their financial statements and their job costs, because they don't understand those necessarily, they start to price based on either what the guy across town is charging or what they feel is fair. Of all of the types of companies that I've ever encountered in my professional life, I would say contractors, by and large, are so geared towards being people pleasers and leaving behind a legacy of beautiful work. And that's great, and, and they make great neighbors, but they don't necessarily make good business people or good providers because of that attitude of wanting to do the very best job possible without charging too much, as though profit is somehow something to be embarrassed about. So if they're not sure of their numbers and they're not sure of their costs, and they have this impulse to undercharge because they want to deliver a wonderful product that their customer can afford or claims to be able to afford, then they can start underpricing jobs. When they underprice the jobs, they get less profit than they need in order to sustain their company. That, in turn, all too often, often provokes a, a frantic selling cycle where they're selling more and more at too low prices to keep the cash coming in. Mm. And that's when in our, uh, the American recession that occurred a number of years ago, this is when so many of them discovered that they had been not operating at a sustainable level. And instead, when the work started to dry up, the cash flow stopped because they were selling and selling more and more work to pay for the last jobs that they had completed. And when that cycle started to slow down, many, many, many of these companies went out of business. And I would say the final issue is that once a job is done, contractors are, are generally a very optimistic and hopeful bunch. One of my professional colleagues talks about 
um, the uh, relentless hope that so many contractors have, this ongoing hope that somehow the next job will be better without looking analytically at historical jobs to see where there might be holes in their process. In other words, I had a client who consistently underestimated the amount of trim work and then he'd sell it as a fixed price and then they would not make their desired or intended profit because he would go back and force the guys to redo all of the trim because of his exacting standards. So uh, because he had never gone back and looked at his jobs, he didn't realize he was doing this. And it wasn't until I came in that he started to see the pattern and to modify the manner in which he estimated for trim. So those are the big, the big ones. Okay. Thank you very much, Melanie. Now, you've published a guidebook called A Simple Guide to Turning a Profit as a Contractor. Can you tell us about your book, uh, Melanie, and, and who benefits from it most? Well, the book came about because my co-author and I had been pestered for years by our respective clients to write a book on how to run a construction company, but to not follow the typical format of similar books or what appeared to be similar books on the market. And if you if you Google books or look at Amazon.com or wherever and look for construction accounting or how to run a construction company, you'll see a lot of books. And they ran the gamut from how to run a construction company using a particular type of software or uh, all the way to academic textbooks with four or 500 pages on construction accounting. And what we wanted to do was to write a book that would resonate with contractors who don't have an in-house chief financial officer, who don't themselves have an MBA, who probably come from the production side of things, who don't have a strong background in accounting, let alone construction accounting, and who are running on a combination of hope and their gut. There's nothing stronger than instinct when running a business if you're not relying on numbers. You have nothing to fall back on. So instead of providing a book that was filled with theories and ratios and a lot of math, it's a book that tells the story of one contractor. So it's, still, it's told as a fable or as a story about one construction company who got itself into some financial trouble and then began to learn what it had been doing incorrectly and what it had been failing to do that was preventing it from getting the, the profit that it needed and deserved and also was holding it back banding. I've heard from many readers who immediately identify with the characters, and this isn't a big surprise because these characters were based on mine and my co-author's experience of many decades with hundreds of our clients, so it should feel familiar. Uh, the book will benefit any contractor who's open to learning some financial basics, for example, the difference between markup and margin, and to learn it in a pain-free manner while enjoying a good story. Um, would you like to give us an example of how you've recently turned around the financial results for one of your construction company clients? Sure. Um, I, I do have uh, a specific example, but I'm also going to give you a compilation of a couple of examples because no one company is going to precisely uh, have all of the problems that 
are are born across the entire industry. At any rate, this was a, a company, it was a remodeling company, and basically they really did not have any idea of what their labor cost them. So one of the tools that I provided them with was a labor burden calculator that permitted them to input their individual employee costs in other words, how much are they paying this one? How much are they paying the other one? And then to add on the cost of the benefits and also things that are a little bit hard to define, such as the cost of supplying a worker with a company vehicle or to compensate him or reimburse him for the use of his own vehicle. Often these kinds of costs are left off when trying to calculate what it costs to put somebody in the field. Another aspect of figuring out what your labor really costs per hour is to consider that if you pay somebody for an eight-hour day, is he really delivering eight hours of work? Or if you take the 2,080 hours that you might have in the U.S., and that would be eight hours a day times five days a week times 52 weeks in a year. That's a maximum of 2,080 regular hours, not considering overtime. Of those 2,080 theoretical hours, how many of them is the is excuse me is the production worker actually available to be performing that work that you have stipulated in your estimate? So if by, once you start taking out vacation and you start taking out times for production meetings in the office and transit time and uh, training for when um, you might have a safety meeting, that type of thing. When you start to deduct that, then you see that even your the cost that you are paying per hour is not enough until you start to factor in the cost of that non-productive or non-billable time. So one of the things that I did was to help this contractor understand what his labor was costing him. And he was shocked. He was absolutely shocked. And he immediately came to the conclusion that he was not charging enough. And he had not been charging enough. And I, I understood that uh, immediately by looking at his financials. But he didn't believe it. He was stuck on that feeling, that gut feeling that he was charging enough and he was covering his costs. And because he didn't understand how to read his financials and interpret them, he thought he was okay. So once I had shown him what his labor cost him and then helped him learn how to interpret his financials, he was absolutely stunned. And the good part about being stunned is not just the dose of reality, but also he became very convinced about what he had to charge for work. Before he had been driven by the sense of, well, I can't charge too much because it's not fair, or I can't charge too much because maybe I won't get all the jobs that I'd like to get. But instead, he became absolutely convinced of what he had to charge because we ran the numbers and did the projections. And he brought that conviction to the sales process. And I was just speaking with his uh, bookkeeper last week, and she informed me that they are overwhelmed with work. They are charging more than they ever have before. As soon as I hear that they're overwhelmed, I know that they still need to be boosting their prices more. But now they are profitable enough that they are looking at being able to hire additional middle management, which will in turn allow them to grow. That's a great story, Melanie. Thank you very much. Um, please tell us, how can visitors to the AECbusiness.com website contact you or obtain a copy of your new book? 
Well, you can get hold of the book either directly through Amazon.com or you can also have a more direct route by going to moneymazebooks.com. That's M-O-N-E-Y-M-A-Z-E-B-O-O-K-S.com. And that will bring you directly to the book on Amazon where you can read excerpts and check out the reader reviews and buy directly from there. I can be reached uh, directly at Melanie at MelanieHodgson.com. That's M-E-L-A-N-I-E at M-E-L-A-N-I-E-H-O-D-G-D-O-N.com. And I would be very interested and certainly welcome any contacts from your listeners. Thanks very much, Melanie Hodgson. My name is Philip Wiley, interviewing on behalf of AEC Business. Thank you.